Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Let's just quickly have a chat about my new book, which is coming. It's out June the 27th, and I would just adore you all if you could click pre-order now, because I promise you this book is even better than my others. The Science of Plant-Based Nutrition is for everyone. It's for people that eat meat and for people that don't. And it's going to help educate you all about the benefits of a plant-based diet. We cover things such as obviously the gut microbiome, the immune system. Should you be worried about plant milk, seed oils, anti-nutrients? Do you need to take omega-3 supplements? There are so many questions. And I basically think that the world of scientific research is just changing at a dizzying pace and myths and fads are proliferating everywhere. So with the science of plant-based nutrition, you can achieve a plant-packed diet that's right for you. This book is for children all the way up to adults. I hope that it will be in universities again like the previous one and schools and libraries and I've got the most amazing forwards and good praise for it from deliciously Ella, Joe Wicks, Fern Cotton and Tim Spector. So if you could head over to Amazon now, hit pre-order on the science of plant-based nutrition, I promise you won't regret it. Welcome back to season 17 of Food for Thought. It's incredible to be here. My name is Rhiannon Lambert. For everyone that doesn't know, the reason this podcast is so unique is that I myself am a registered nutritionist. So I have two nutritional science degrees, a master practitioner, further diplomas in different areas of nutrition. The Retrition Clinic I founded in 2016. We have some amazing psychologists, dietitians, nutritionists in there to help you with your one-to-one advice. Not forgetting also if you need any additional support to your diet we have retrition plus which is formulated for you with the latest scientific research out there now we're here to bring you a fantastic series ahead full of tons of amazing guests if you need any extra information you can find retrition across all social media platforms even from tiktok to instagram facebook youtube linkedin and of course you can head over to amazon and leading bookshops and find any rhiannon lambert authored book out there from the science of nutrition to recipe books about pregnancy and of course my first baby back in 2017 renourish so let's get on to it enjoy season 17 of food for thought the quest for the perfect body can influence our behavior towards diet and exercise and very quickly in so many cases 
turn into something that can be negative and extreme. Now, it's really important to realize that you don't have to be underweight to have an eating disorder. And this episode today, we're discussing something really, really important. We've got statistics from BEAT, the UK's eating disorder charity, that show that during the pandemic, the number of sessions supplied to men and boys increased by 113%, and about one in five males struggle with an eating disorder. And that's of that that's actually reported. And a lot of men may deny their symptoms and as a result hesitate to seek treatment because of the stigma and the misunderstanding. And that's why in today's episode, I'm really excited about the fact that we get to speak about the pressures that men are faced with, but equally what it's like to grow up seeing images online and live and breathe a music industry life, something that our guest today knows all too well. So James McVeigh is gosh, he's talented. (laughs) An incredibly talented guitarist. He's the vocalist of the multi-award winning band, The Vamps. And I'm so lucky to say that I've had the capacity of working with him as a client. He talks about his experience in the pop band, of course, going on the famous TV show, I'm a Celeb, and his experience with disordered eating and why speaking up about this is really helpful for others as well. So without a doubt, let's kick off today's episode. Hello, James. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome back. I know it's been a while, hasn't it? A couple of years. Yeah. New studio, swanky place. I know, new studio. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back. Oh, well, great. No, thank, thank you. you. No, thank you, because I know you're so busy. So obviously you've got so many different areas now. You've just done your EP, which I blooming mm, loved. Oh my goodness. It's just amazing to see because you've just been on tour with the Vamps recently. Yeah. I feel like you are constantly evolving as an artist, which is amazing Thank to you. see. Um, and I know obviously having worked for you a few years ago, seeing your development in things, but one area I don't ever get to hear much about is your childhood, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I guess I wondered if we could start this episode with what you really faced growing up, I suppose, personal experiences that shaped who you became. Oh, uh, I mean, well, first of all, I had really, really, I, I still have really, really supportive parents, um, pretty standard nuclear family background um and yeah was supported with everything i never really felt unloved or underloved or whatever um i think the biggest things that uh i think impacted me even to this day like it was speaking i mean like there's loads of great things Mm. music related that, that have led to me where i am now but i think actually bizarrely some of the more difficult moments of my life have kind of impacted me in a way that's still still um uh relevant now and i think two things um well maybe three things mm. first <laughs> severe acne was was an interesting one being like from age 12 to still now having having issues with my skin and yeah. i think being that kind of 14 15 year old well guy or girl like that's always a difficult moment in life to try and figure out the sort of person you are and i feel like i i have like a very um strong memory of trying to transition from being like a child to an adult mm. from in a social perspective so it would be like for example if there was a girl i really fancied at school i'll be like today i'm gonna say hi to her in the corridor and like even just having <laughs> those thoughts of like yeah trying to adopt that sense of i don't know maturity in like a social situation it went from being terrified of girls to ignoring them to all of a sudden trying to do you know break down that barrier mm. and feeling like i'd evolved and grow uh, grown as a person but one of the biggest hindrances that was having acne it really really mm. affected me um psychologically and from a confidence perspective i really struggled uh kind of looking people in the eye and 
I was worried for a while it was becoming like a real defining fa- uh, factor in, in my character. Um, and so that was really difficult. Mm. And then accompanied with that was this kind of, when I was a little bit older when the food stuff kind of, uh, we've spoken about this before, but yeah. I kind of, so I had, I was underconfident because of, of my acne. Um, and I and I wonder whether part of that was, was one of the drives behind trying to uh, get to this physique um this try try to like reach this i guess stereotype that um a lot of guys my age at the time were trying to uh replicate mm. so i think yeah that acne relationship with food and fitness yeah and then the third one is this um desire to start making music um but in an environment that was predominantly like sports based so having that these three things that kind of made me slightly I mean, the one in the middle, the 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 exercise and the food, I think was probably trying to make me feel like I could be accepted within social, uh, in the social hierarchy system at some point. Yeah. Despite the fact I had severe acne and was doing music because, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, like speaking in hindsight about doing music at school, I think the presumption is that, I mean, like, and I've got some friends, especially American friends that doing the music was kind of like cool and it kind of mm. put them up at the top of that. Oh, the school hi- hierarchy in America. Ladder. Yeah, like, they're like, the yeah, groups. like the performers and all they that. Don't stuff. have that here. No, for for me, it was kind of, and because I guess the music that I, I mean, I I loved the music I was making. It's not, I mean, hopefully it's a bit bit different from what I'm doing now, but it's not too dissimilar from like a genre perspective. It was sort of that infancy stage of getting into this kind of singer songwriter mm. folk music. But mm. I think if I had been maybe like rapping or doing like heavy like rock music, I would have been kind of cooler i was doing quite emotionally vulnerable songs about girls and mm. i just sort of went into this position in in and also i um I, I took a year out after gcse's and so when i came back to do sick form i i didn't know anyone i was a year older but in the year below so i was kind of this slightly strange guy who was into music um mm. didn't really have a solid group of of like guy friends i had like a few uh, like girlfriends but um just i I was just a bit of a, a bit of a lost lost soul i think at school um but at the same time i feel that those uh challenges were all kind of learning opportunities and that's why even now like the the name of my first ep is manabi which means mm. learning in japanese and like i love that oh, thanks really <laughs> when i say um when i say learning i think people maybe think oh it means like trigonometry but actually it's the like the social i guess like evolution of learning how to be comfortable in a room of new people or challenges like um having vocal surgery or Mm. i'm a celeb or all that stuff like these these benchmarks in my life where i've really stepped outside my comfort zone i've done that to try and grow and evolve as a person um yeah there's a a few moments in my life that i uh, i mean they're defining and yeah no but like you've said i think so many people listening can relate to that because the challenges you face from the age brackets you've specifically mentioned as well, you technically are very vulnerable because you Mm. are discovering your identity. And I have to say, obviously being older, but I only felt in my 30s, you know, I feel way more comfortable and calm. Mm. And I do feel from teenage years throughout your 20s, it is a period of exploration Mm. and it is something that's going to come out in your music, which must be how you felt transitioning from doing solo EPs, from doing your work with the Vamps as well. It must mm. feel quite liberating to express. Yeah, and I think I think uh, so. When all of my peers went off to university, I started the Vamps. So, in many ways, I had 
I, I missed out on like certain moments of uh, speaking about transitions, you know, that child to adult, but then mm -hmm. sort of that teenage to adult thing, like living on your own for the first time and, and all that stuff. I didn't do that in the conventional way. I did that in like an incredible way where I got to travel and, yeah. you know, had the success and obviously like really happy and wouldn't take back what I've done with the vamps. But I think I, w I kind of found myself on this and the four of us did. We found ourselves on this like really crazy paced like rocket ship going up, doing things and and everything was so quick and, and fast paced that it was quite difficult to kind of keep a grasp on what we'd done. And before we realized it was sort of this cycle of like craziness and hysteria. And before you realize seven, eight years has gone past. Um, wow. That's why, I mean, it's been like 11 or well, 12 years since, since I uh, started the VAMPS process. Mm. And I think what's been lovely in my late, I think like the pandemic was a moment to stop and reflect and like, saying to my mum yesterday I lost kind of age 27 through to 30 mm. which I think I, I I mean obviously people lost a lot more in the pandemic than, than mm. a, you know I'm not saying that but I think as a person you're the end of your 20s is kind mm. of I always thought that would be like my really fun time to you know do really nice things and then I come out of the pandemic 30 and I'm like oh wow but actually what it meant me do um, forced me to do is reflect on what I'd done and really try and do some internal growing and from that i guess like soul searching for mm. want of a better phrase led to this yeah. uh rediscovered rediscovered love of music because you know before three three years ago i didn't i didn't write songs really like for a long time i did a lot of the stuff in the early of the vamps and yeah every so often would contribute to the vamps but i would never i would never write songs at home i didn't have any instruments at home for years sort of fell out of love with songwriting and then the pandemic and various personal things kind of like yeah. led me back to music and it's resulted in me now writing more songs than I've ever done before and I would like to hope writing songs that people recognize are, are real and um and there's like I my dream is to have like a sense of transparency with my music mm -hmm. where people listen and not and can picture me like recording it in my spare bedroom and yeah. the lyrics I'm I'm singing a a real and tangible um so yeah it's been a bizarre bizarre sort of few years of, of growth um, for yeah sure. it's a lot to almost summarize I think uh like you mentioned pandemic um child you know teenage acne and, and different periods and mm. if you think about self-expression and you think about growth and development mm. and also how I guess how open you are about discussing your relationship with food and are you very acutely aware that you have a voice that can help others because there must be a, a defining moment where you feel comfortable in sharing certain levels of information. Like, thank you for coming on again to have That's this all. conversation with us because, you know, the charity Beat at the moment, which is the UK eating disorder charity, say, mm. you know, one in four males now have eating disorders. Mm. And I know you're very open as a male in the spotlight speaking about it. And it's rare what was the moment that you thought, right, well, my music's going well, I'm writing a lot, I do mm. think I can speak out about this as well? Um, I think it's tough. I think the, the reason that I feel so comfortable uh, speaking about it is like I always, you know, I'm just like a pretty normal guy from a normal background. And the same with all the Vamps, like just very like hopefully approachable people, yeah. pretty chill. Um, and maybe, maybe it's because I... I realized early on, like, like I go through loads of bizarre phases like we all do and yeah. stuff, but sort of at the, when the Vamps was um, kind of happening, 
I perhaps wasn't too vocal about the eating stuff, but that's because I'd kind of convinced myself that I was living this like crazy, healthy, in inverted commas, lifestyle. So I thought there was nothing wrong. But I think even in those early phases, I was frustrated with the periods I'd gone through at school where I'd perhaps be uh, felt kind of quite low or um, not quite myself. The fact that I'd been quite... um, I don't know, reluctant to, to communicate those feelings with people around me. So as soon as I found myself in a position of semi-influence with the vamps where I felt like I, I'd found like a tribe per se, you know, I was sort of, yeah. sort of saying earlier, I didn't really have, I had like a lot of great friends growing up, but then all of my male friends went to grammar school and I went mm. to a comprehensive and I immediately lost a lot of my social security there. Um, so I think once I found that again, I was like, okay, like maybe it's time. I'd kind of escaped the the people that would like pick on me for my music or um, got away from the people that would look at my my acne scars or like the cover up I'd put on. And yeah. um, and I felt maybe it's time to, to do that because I felt more um, equipped to deal with, with, with that. Um, and also I kind of had quite a conscious decision to try my best to live as, um, as transparently as possible because I think a lot of people go one way where it's they're extremely private about everything, which I, I rate and respect. Mm. But knowing the person I, I am, you know, very addicted to, to doing, to constantly be busy with work or mm. uh, I just I just like an overly openly emotional person like at mm. that point and moving forward, I just wanted to try and share everything, which probably I did as a coping mechanism knowing that no one could like catch me out or trip me up or there could yeah, be yeah. like a picture of me like I don't know with with my wife or so I, I so I, yeah. I was just really open about it and actually that's I think for me one of the one of the best things that I could have done because now when things come up even like more recently things that have kind of changed in my life that have that been like hurdles or challenges mm. I've been able to speak about them whilst yeah. if I maybe hadn't and maybe if I'd repressed my uh my struggles with certain things up to this point, it would have been really hard to do. But now it's, I don't feel, I don't feel like any um, sort of like reluctancy to share, which which is good. It's interesting you say that by sharing information, it's almost like a coping strategy because it is, it's a release. And actually I think um, in a way, a lot of what we do know in terms of gender stereotyping, but men don't share in the same way, generally speaking, that women do. Mm. And it's it's actually a really important release. And I think also as a musician, you've got that extra element where, you know, you guys are writing, you're creating, you're able to output that. But did you grow up with social media? So when you were going through the period you've mentioned, you know, very difficult times, was there social media at school then for you? So it, it was, uh, we had MySpace and Bebo, which was... Oh, I remember Bebo. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, so it was that, that kind of era, which... Yeah. I mean, like that, and I had. But it uh, wasn't like the likes. It was. It it was completely. It was completely different thing. It was. There was a more, and actually, everyone on. on, I mean, MySpace. I started putting music up, so I started to get people I didn't actually physically know, like reach out to me. But on Bebo, I think that's why I actually, in a bizarre, in one sense, it's nice because you know everyone you're speaking to. But on the other hand, it was really hard because there was faces put to, which is funny because like you know a lot of the the trolling stuff. One of the horrible things is you don't know who it is. But mm. for me, like people saying they don't like my music, I could actually see exactly who it was, and then I, and then I'd see him and say, yeah, like, "All right." So that, that was kind of difficult <laughs> to deal with. So I did yeah. have social media, but I do feel there was this like it was like MSN Messenger as well, mm. like that kind of stuff. And I think there was an element of, and 
you know, dial-up internet and stuff in the early days. Oh, yeah. I think there was a sense of switching off. Like I didn't have a like a smartphone mm. until I was much older. So I had that, but I mean, thank God, it was hard enough as it was. I, I really, I really sort of um, feel for for people that are going through like online bullying or stuff now because it's just you can never escape yeah. it. It's, um, I mean, you must have experienced obviously the vamps. You know, being a public profile, you will experience negative comments. Do you have a set way of dealing with that or coping? coping with it i think I, I go through like stages i think uh in the early days i was sort of like adamant to reply to everyone and sort of argue and stuff um and then actually meeting my wife was a big thing because she sort of she she really avoids that kind of confrontation yeah. stuff and i think i've realized there's like a real beauty of recognizing that other people that like send a lot of these comments and like luckily i, I don't really get that many but if i do I know that these people don't actually know who I am, and I think that's that's something I can take from it. And I know that a lot, like sometimes actually, like I've I've been kind of uh, getting into things slightly outside of music, you know, different communities of fans. And I know that the first time I'll appear on a podcast about I don't know watches, for example, hmm. there will be like a lot of people that will probably turn their nose up at it. But then over time, when I see people at like watch events, for example, we'll have a, a conversation, and I try to change that perception of mm. you know I'm, I'm really proud of what i've done with the vamps but i think a lot of the online stuff is people that don't yeah don't don't know you and feel mm. that they do mm. so for me now i'm if i do get a negative comment i i try my best to think look like if you're in a room with this person one they wouldn't say that stuff and two yeah. they'd probably get on with you anyway so i try not to take it personally um but yeah now i just don't i well for a start don't use twitter anymore like yeah. um, that was where i used to get a lot of the stuff yeah. And then Instagram comments. I think I'm very lucky that the fan base that that they're I great. have with the Vamps. Yeah, they're they're like so lovely and supportive, yeah. and there's like a real community feel to the Vamps fan base. So that means if someone does kind of come out of nowhere and comment on something, it would be quite bizarre. Mm. I don't really do massive like like I went through a, a, a period of time doing quite a lot of TV stuff, and mm. I kind of moved away from that because actually like putting yourself on the screen to the masses all the time like opens you up to a lot of that stuff but now mm. i don't i don't get that stuff unless i'm going to debate like yeah. brexit on tv then <laughs> to annoy someone but uh it's nice you say that because i think the fan base is obviously so important for you at the vamps i remember when i got to go see you at the o2 mm. you invited me down to see it and the, the crowd they just absolutely love you guys mm. but of course the pressure of being in the limelight to a degree let's talk about the where the relationship with food really started so you said it could have come from obviously feeling insecure, having acne, not fitting in at school. But do you feel that obviously becoming a successful musician heightened that for you? I think like a lot of uh, like media and stuff, definitely after The Jungle, tried to pin my issues with food on, like fame or the vamps. And I think the reality is I went, I went into the band mm. process already with issues. Like, yeah. Yeah. and I think just the nature of what, what the vamps is and was you know the the schedule the the touring the the craziness i think it just like amplified things so i think i think I, it kind of comes down to control i think and when i keep on saying control people are, like terrified i might really control it with my wife i don't mean like that but no, like with, no, my, with no, my life no, no. <laughs> my life with what i can control within <laughs> myself my, my habits my tendencies absolutely are like when you didn't have a kitchen i remember how stressful that was for you guys <laughs> and that was quite a long time without the kitchen yeah yeah it? yeah and i mean like i'm really trying my best to, to be more relaxed with it but it you know that's where it what that's where it mm. stemmed from i think it went from uh being 
sort of 16, 17, really on top of exactly what I was eating, the sort of exercise I was doing, to then going on tour kind of age. And when you say being on top of it, so at that time in life, was it very much getting inspiration from other media outlets you'd seen of successful people or was it driven by what you had discovered yourself, what you thought you should be doing? Both. I mean, I definitely was on Google trying to find out like the diets that they had for 300 like the movie and try and copy yeah that like what huge app or something yeah yeah like and it Never. was because it was before mm. it was before instagram yeah uh and on twitter and definitely before tiktok the, yeah. it wasn't like oh i'm looking at blah blah there might be like you'd see zach efron in a thing and i yeah. google what's his workout thing yes. but no it wasn't really that monotony of seeing loads of people on mm. on a scrolling page i mean there was a lot of the branding in the shops really um really impacted on me i probably mentioned it last time i came on but the whole like american socal vibe kind of really um the marketing's heavy yeah it's that i mean yeah. it's it's kind of got slightly better but it it always used to be kind of topless men on a beach and yeah. i think everything around me shouted at that time that if you want to be like popular successful mm-hmm. man you have to look like this and and so i i kind of looked out for ways of replicating that physique um and that so then when i went when i started the vamps with this kind of preconditioned idea of how i should look as soon as the my ability to go to the gym every day or to Mm. travel with my supplements or to eat boiled chicken and broccoli went out the window or was drastically reduced i kind of went into meltdown and tried to control it even more and that kind of led to this really negative um, approach to food and exercise a vicious cycle yeah yeah i mean and like i like to try and compare well my my experience with exercise and stuff is kind of like people that are addicted to making money like you can never really be truly satisfied with your with your body like mm. and, and and i think we should get to a point where you know you accept that that's that's how it is because for me it would be i'd like starve myself to get like a, a really toned like six pack but mm. then as soon as i did that then my arms would be like much smaller because i yep. had such low body fat yeah it was just constantly and you realize and that it's worse not attainable exactly exactly so it's about it's about re- like i wish that when i was 16 17 i didn't have that that kind of warped perception mm. that 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 physique was obtainable and also that it was healthy because the word, mm. even the word healthy and the word diet frustrates mm. me even now because yes. it's not, you can't do like a six week, cr- I mean like speaking about the jungle, I did effectively a three week crash course I know. and I felt awful. I know. <laughs> Absolutely awful. It was awful. worrying to watch. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> but it just like from a, um, yes. from like a fatigue perspective, I, yes. it just, it was just so bad. And I'm thinking that's how. Like I've seen people that have got into shape for uh, like bodybuilding competitions, and but I never really understood how they felt. And obviously, I wasn't big; I was really thin. But like, mm. just my energy completely sapped, yeah. and I felt I felt awful. So, I think it's just about recognizing that that sort of physique is not something that <laughs> anyone no. should want to achieve. No, it's horrible for me. <laughs> no, no, I know, and I like that you've literally said, look, it doesn't mean it's health. What people look like does not dictate their health. You like you have no idea what's going on behind mm. closed doors, and one body image or ideal is not suitable for everyone. Mm. We're all built genetically differently. We've all got different gut bacteria, which we discuss a lot now in the world of nutritional mm. science. It's emerging, it's growing, and I think what's so fascinating 
is that you're able to openly say that because a lot of women talk about the special K diet era or the American mm. fads that come around. Yeah. And you get a lot of um, bravado for men, I guess, which is why it's so good we're having these conversations because a six pack is lean body fat. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more to it. Anyone can have one if they just yeah, don't, don't know how many. Yeah, if they just don't <laughs> eat, you will get a six pack, everyone. It's not yeah. how many crunches you do at home. I just want to speak very quickly about the Retrition Plus vegan multivitamin. So I designed this with Retrition Plus to support those that are following a plant-based diet with four key nutrients. We're talking about vitamin B12, of course, iron, iodine, and selenium. Now it's packed with the essential nutrients and our multivitamin is, of course, your trusted companion for maintaining a healthy vegan plant-based lifestyle. So despite its powerful nutritional support, it comes in one of the smallest capsules This was deliberate because I've always had a difficult time taking pills and supplements. So it's convenient. It's easy to incorporate into your daily routine. It will elevate your journey, whether it be vegan, whether it be plant-based, with essential scientifically backed nutrients in one simple capsule. If you guys want to go and check out the range at Retrition Plus and our new products, which I know are going to help so many people, just head over to retritionplus.com and you can also check us out on social media at Retrition Plus. So let's talk about the road to recovery. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's bring it up a tone. You know, yep. James is in a really good place. He's releasing incredible music. He's the most wonderful, beautiful wife inside and out. And, she, you know, you guys are a great team. Was that a good, would you say that was a great part of the recovery as well, having that support? Yeah, I, I mean, it, just from the food perspective, when when I met her, it was, it was kind of like ultimatum vibes where I was thinking, well, if I want to have a successful or healthy best shot, I don't, yeah. I don't like the word healthy, but normal maybe more uh, yes. shot at a relationship. A good relationship, I, good yeah. Relationship, I needed to be able to go out for dinner, like, uh huh, <laughs> and not want to, like, you know, want to, well, not regret it massively. Um, well, even you just saying that, going out for dinner. It's the little things that people don't realise. When you have a poor relationship with food, things that Mm. really hold people back are often the societal aspects of food because food is celebration. It's um, food is mourning. Food is used in so many different ways, isn't it? It's, Mm. like you said, the dating scene or socialising with your partner. It's often, let's go for dinner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah, all all of that. And, And, like... I mean, yeah, my wife's been great, but I would say my relationship with the Vamps boys is really enhanced because, um, you know, I would, I am probably the more subdued, slightly older member, like, <laughs> on a social, I don't really go out, I don't go out. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm more relaxed with the food or, like, yeah. having a drink every so often, we can have some really, really fun evenings. And I think the bond of the Vamps has drastically enhanced since... You know, we can go and we could share like nachos, like yeah, f- um, which yeah. just never would have happened back in the because day because it was um, a fair food. It was one of those well, items. It all was, yeah. But it, but, it, yeah. but it's even like even getting me in the same restaurant as as those boys in the early days was pretty much impossible if I couldn't have like yeah. you know, my straight chicken, yeah. dry chicken with with boiled veg. Then I'd. I wouldn't be happy. And um, it wasn't picked up on, was it, either at the time? I don't think you were really offered support for that area. Well, I, I think it's really important to say that at the time, there was this big thing with a lot of guys of yeah. our age going through this stuff. I also think I was at a really loud kind of... Propo- um, 
supporter of like uh, as i said before mm. i'm i'm the pinnacle of health i'm really happy i'm I like this. i'm yeah i'm you know and and i think it would have been re- like impossible actually definitely for the other vamps boys who bear in mind i'm the oldest in the band so we're looking at yeah. connor who was 16 yeah 16 17 18 like also going through difficult things of being that age mm. so they would look at me being the oldest member and someone that is always in the gym like doing stuff and probably and you know obviously would have thought i was it was a great thing mm. um and so so like the support thing was hard like i know that my parents hated me taking all the supplements and, and bits and pieces yeah but i do think that well, the, what, there was there was not much conversation in the media, definitely around like men and like no, eating issues. At all. So, from a support perspective, I'm I mean I'm not surprised. I don't yeah. feel like I was neglected by anyone because there was just no conversation had anyway in society at the time. It was like it wasn't even an option to no, discuss. No, no, no. Isn't that insane? Mm. When you look back on it and you think about it, we wonder why we're currently in a mental health crisis. Yeah. Obviously, post pandemic was a whole different thing anyway but you know, I think it's the knock-on effects of this type of thing obviously thank goodness you're in a fantastic place but this isn't the case for everyone listening guys and I, I think um, it's really important so you can reach out and get help if you need to mm. you know there are people out there that you can talk to and there are people that can help you learn more because bone density can be affected I mean mm. there's long-term knock-on consequences yeah yeah but when we talk about moving forwards, obviously, with everything else in mm-hmm. life, would you say you now have like a go-to kind of routine that you love every day? If you've got your little rituals that whenever you go on tour, you have to eat X, Y, Z, or well, no, you're more free-flowing? Ma- yeah, not massively. And I think that's yeah. I think that's good. Yes, like, I do. I, I go through phases of like trying to do little things. Um, I mean, like... <laughs> The go-to, the only thing I do every day is is like Barocca first thing in the morning or something like that. Okay. Just try and get like some vitamins in. But I yeah. mean, like the reality is, no, I, I don't actually. I go through periods yeah. of trying like intermittent fasting, but yeah. not for a oh, I feel like I'm fat just because it's a nice reset and and um, and things. But no, I I'm quite happy knowing that you know more often than not I wake up and I'm not desperate to like get to the gym or or i mean like i still like going to the gym but it's not a <laughs> it's not it's must not do thing. like i didn't go to the gym in south i was in south Africa for 10 days and i'm going to bali in january for a couple of weeks and like i probably won't go to the gym and i didn't go to the gym in south africa that's fine like yeah and i i'm enjoying f- food um and it's just really nice to be able to go to places and yeah and order what i want so i think from a yeah from a routine perspective not massively just the odd yeah like tablets yeah. and brocca and, and water like mm-hmm. But nothing, nothing major, no. Yeah. So I have to throw this in there because obviously you went on the jungle a while ago. Mm. And I think a lot of people are very interested. Obviously, you can't say certain things, but um, when you were in there Mm. and you were faced with all these different trials, was it really the camaraderie of obviously the close friendships you create that kind of pulled you through? Or did you have to go and really search deep to get through certain pl- certain trials and things you have to do out there? I think that, first of all, yeah, like I was really lucky that my year was kind of the year. I think the only year that everyone got on, there was genuinely no arguments. Yeah. Um, but actually, like the boring answer, and but the most truth is like, we were, well, I was bored to death the entire time I was there. Yeah, because so, the cameras don't yeah, show you, you all day. You, you see, like, we were trying to figure this out when we were in camp, actually. This is how bored we were. We were like, well... If you factor in adverts for like an hour long episode, they take up probably 15 minutes combined. So, so you're looking at like 40-ish, 45 minutes of like screen time. And yeah. then in that time, you have a trial that takes 10 minutes, right? Yeah. 
and then and then you, there was always like a there's always like the interviews to camera and then um they do like do the, the other one the dingo dollar challenge and all that stuff so oh, yeah. so actually they don't show you just sat around but that i would say you know they wake you up i want to guess by 6 a.m you're like woken they wake you i like the, the voice in the sky oh, it- the voice says, in the like, sky. Good morning, campers. And you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh! I thought you woke up naturally no, to I the wish. buzzing I, of I the wish, insects. <laughs> uh, and then, but then you don't get given the food in the evening until, I mean, it's dark, so it, it you know, it, it must be like half don't... eight, nine, and it takes you hours to cook it because if if they're cooking like, I don't know, like From an scratch. ostrich thing, right, mm. and it's on like a little pan, mm. it takes out because you're terrified to not undercook that. Well, so that you're gonna stuff. get sick. Yeah, so. You wouldn't eat probably until 10 and then you're not going to sleep and then you do all your interviews at the, um, whatever it's called, Bush Telegraph mm. before you get to bed. So you don't get to bed to about 11. So you're on about six hours sleep a night. No. But then all day you're doing nothing. So it's... So Are you that, allowed to have a nap? Yeah, you can once you're like up. <laughs> okay. But I really, for some, I don't know what it is, but I, I just couldn't. Like yeah. just, no one really naps in, in the day when I was there. So... The prospect of like leave, even leaving camp because you're within like the camp's not as big as you might you might think. No. So like to leave that area it psychologically was like a massive massive big deal um, and kind of weird. Like so much so that when I finally left the jungle, I it was like overwhelming yeah. for a while. Like yeah. I, I've never really felt. I mean, I was only here for three weeks. Like it's I've never really felt enough. that weird. Yeah, and, and I guess because you're in what most people don't know is you're in isolation for like four or five days before. And when I say isolation, it's like you're not allowed to, well, no technology. So you don't like, so your familiarities, which if you think like, I don't know what most people do listening, but when I have some time at home, I'll probably watch a series yeah. and then like text a bit. Yeah, scrolling. Or, or you look, scroll, you're, it's right? technology. Yeah, you can't do either of those things. So the isolation is you've got like a... um like a minder who will like take you if you want to get like a coffee outside but really you're kind of stuck in a in a room for five days before so really by the time you go into camp you're already messing with um do they offer you psychological support so uh, yeah i think my year i had you have a consultation before you go in and then you i it must have changed by now following you know like yes tragedies but when i came out they're sort of like how you doing like literally as you come out oh, and they're like no time to digest them. no but then to be to be fair is that better I think you're offered well you're offered i was offered well we're all offered like a session once you're home if you're going through stuff and and, and um I, I didn't i probably should have had it but I, I didn't but i think yeah you want to do trials you want to do anything because you are so bored so i did one one day where it was me john barrowman who was the other one someone else uh one of the Love girls. his voice, John Barrowman. Yeah, he's great. We we went out for like a day of expedition mm. kind of thing, and being out of camp for an entire day was crazy. So I think yeah, get, doing the trials I really enjoyed. I mean, like some of the the horrible things where I have like spiders on my head. Yeah, yeah, that was horrible. But doing them was a reason to leave camp. But what is also difficult is if you're doing the trials, especially in the evening. And you're covered like there's oh, always like yeah. when I did it, there was always an element of like you're getting covered in something. Even if you're doing like <laughs> I don't know a drinking thing, somehow you're gonna have cockroaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like the smell of that stuff oh, is horrible. Like yeah. I can't, I can't describe it. Yeah. But you don't have a shower, obviously. So like your shower in camp is a freezing cold like thing of water coming down. And what I don't think it really shows it on TV is in the evenings in camp, it's it's pretty cold. Like, yeah, everyone's wearing like jackets and stuff. So you get back covered in like fish guts and cockroaches 
and then you're like you have to have a shower to get it off. Yeah. So you're stood there freezing. freezing cold with that. Or you sit in the pool thing, which has got enormous water spiders like the size of your hand just on it. Or like they've got these like oh yabby goodness. things which are like uh, lobsters in there. It's like I just didn't want to do that. So no. like, I did, but like it's yeah. just not it's horrible, really. You never feel, you never feel clean. You're constantly on high alert. You <laughs> yeah. never feel clean. I felt clean. I wondered um, about the clothing as well. It's like you always wear the same thing. You like. have to, you, you wash it yourself, but like, it's just, yeah, no, it's no, no. It's yeah. Horrible. Okay, so to put it lightly, it is a pretty psychologically intense experience. Which I didn't think it would be. Like, I was kind of, I think, I'm, I was always a big fan of the show. Yeah. I went into that show without a thought of that side. It's, Almost also to the point of whenever you see people on there crying within like a week, I'm like, what are you doing? But I like, I cried, I think, the first day I went into camp. Yeah. Every day as well. Yeah. And it's that really, really bizarre feeling of isolation where you're put in, like, again, the presumption is it's amazing that you're in sun and you're there for like three weeks and yeah. you can just lie about all day. But the reality is it's, it's really isolating yeah. being in a place with people you don't like, especially me, like I would love to believe that people think I am like a normal person because I am just like a normal kid yeah. went to school started music got in yeah. a band all of a sudden did this bloody show Yeah. so I'm like surrounded by like these people that I see as celebrities yeah that you've always seen on the yeah. TV but yeah. I don't but because of that I don't really fit it's like a, it's not like I'm in there with like a group of my mates I mean no. by the end it was but I so I felt really alone really kind of isolated and just an absolute mess and yeah. again saying you know you go in with that five days of of isolation where you've not spoken so, and you're in australia so you're jet lagged as well so you, so basically you land you land sleep in deprived because they make you sleep deprived yeah land in brisbane you get one phone call for like two minutes so i called my wife and then yeah. they take your phone and then that's it so then you have five days before you go in with no technology and then you have the why do they make stuff. you do that i think it's like a mental preparation oh really well th- i think but they didn't explain it to you that's well, really I th- well i think they s- they must no, have to said be it, fair, yeah. they do. I, th- I think what they say is, and I get it, the idea is they don't want the people to know who, who's in the camp with you. Of course, of because course. Because obviously if you're all arriving in like the week before, then yeah. if you're on your phone, you can see paparazzi pictures of yeah, people yeah. arriving. Um, yeah. But the reality is like by the time you go in, you kind of know who else is in there because like all the papers, like yeah. like all these agents probably tip the press and be yeah, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I yeah. knew everyone going in. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, 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 was, it was crazy and... I, it really would like, you? You'd never do it again. I don't think so. No. I think I. You know what? I would do it again with the same people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you had them, yeah. it's funny because obviously having other clients and guests of people that have done various shows like Bear Grylls mm. or you know Dancing on Ice or something, mm. they always say I don't think any of well Bear Grylls actually is as hardcore as Big yeah, oh, yeah, Jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two shows. Bear like, Grylls is worse, I'm sure. <laughs> it, it was yeah, pretty bad health outcome after that show, mm. but. It's so interesting because would you do it again is the ultimate question. I often mm. ask people and they're like, mm, maybe, maybe not. I just think it's something you'll have forever yeah. as a memory of something that's quite challenging. Mm. But equally, it will stick with you. There must be moments when you find yourself alone. Does it kind of take you back? Well, I, I think, first of all, it's important to to say, like a lot of people that say they would do it again probably went in to do that show for different reasons that, that yes. I went in for. So I didn't yes. go in for like a big payout or loads mm. of brand deals or like fame. Yeah. I really didn't, to the point where I, I didn't really, I, I didn't capitalise as like the industry was yeah. saying, coming out because I didn't want to. I was really happy with the vamps. And I think you were just happy to be out, to be honest. I hate it. I, I wanted to go in to, to challenge myself because mm. I was a huge fan of the show. So yeah. I think people that would do it again probably did it because they, you know, 
so had their good. reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a challenge. But actually, yesterday I went into the loft to get uh, do some Christmas stuff, and I opened a box thinking it was decorations, and it was my hat <gasps> in the jungle. No way! And I'd not seen that hat. You should put like it on the tree as a decoration. Yeah, I know. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, sometime because wow. it, it was it was 2018, mm. uh, and I'm. I've done a lot of growing, I think, emotionally since that show. Mm. A lot of things have happened. Yeah. I think it almost feels like a bizarre thing that never happened like, yeah. to me. It just... Do a lot of brain protects ourselves so yeah. from those memories. And of course, because you were sleep deprived, not fed enough food, that mm. period of week, your brain goes into these protective um, moments. But I've got so many questions from Go our on, listeners yes, for yeah, you. Yeah, so yeah. I have to get them in. Otherwise, um, I'm so bad. I never look at the brief of questions I'm meant to ask <laughs> you. But I'm pretty sure we covered most of the ones we were cool, meant cool, to cool. go into. So Sarah has said... Um, well, I'm struggling. What was the turning point for you to get better? So was there like one specific light bulb moment or was it a gradual kind of realisation? I mean, like, there's so many different moments in my life where I, I kind of go through something and, and feel like I've come out. The, like, again, not to go on about the jungle because it was years ago, but yeah. I went into that show thinking I was like, I was like fixed with my food stuff. And then coming out of that show, I realised actually I I wasn't. Mm. fixed so I don't think there was a turning point per se I I do feel like it's quite cliche but the people around you like the conversations you have with them can be real like impactful moments in your life Um, Mm. and that goes across the whole mental health thing for me anyway but I think being able to have like a real honest conversation with someone about something like um, an obsession with the gym like I think for me if you if you wake up first thing and you're almost like itching you know like i mean i I really like coffee but so sometimes (laughs) i'm really like i can't wait to have a coffee if you're like that with going to the gym every day or if you if you can't go to the gym or if you can't eat the certain foods you want or if you beat yourself up after eating something i think for me that's like a real alarm in my head in my life and i think that's when i i speak to my wife about it so i think turning points for me are trying my best to and it's like awkward and embarrassing sometimes to 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 admit those issues but I think turning points for me I speak I have been speaking to people whether it's my wife or or bandmates or whatever um so I think sharing the Sharing. sharing the load is is the turning point yeah, that's really good advice, Sarah, because yes, those things are red flags. You know, if it's getting in the way of you living your life and your happiness, um, definitely speak to somebody would be a good one. Um, I think we've covered the question from Molly, actually. I think this one's a really interesting one. Um, did you get relapses? So I think people are assuming this This is from um, Will. I think people have assumed that there's defining moments where, you know, you go off track for a week, then you get on. But I know from speaking to you, obviously, it's not quite been like, oh, I've had a relapse. I need to go away for a week or two. No, 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 no. no I don't think it's quite like that, actually. Well, I, th- I think I think I relapsed from from a perspective of entertaining that negative yeah. thought process all the time, mm. like almost every day where it's like I'll think about something or and like for a moment I'll be like, yeah. oh, can I go to the gym? No. Oh, yeah. oh, but actually that's fine. Yeah. So like, and that's the thing with mental health mm. for me. It's not something that I feel I can sort or, or fix. It's constant yeah. things and challenges in life where something in my career might might go away that I wasn't hoping for. And then it's how I deal with that. And if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, I can go into these different ways of yeah. being like, oh, maybe I need to like sort of get into shape a bit more. And, but it's just about now realizing when you're going down that way. So relapse. I don't know if that's like the word per se. It's mm. about learning to live with 
these tendencies yeah. and acknowledging that that uh, don't yeah don't let yourself go do too far down that road mm. without kind of pulling yourself back. Yeah, and I have to say, nourishment um, obviously from a nutritional perspective helps fuel your brain. So if mm. you're not optimally nourished, you often can't see what's actually going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. And it's when you start to realise, you get those light bulb moments. You're like, oh, mm. hang on a minute. Now, actually, I can think clearly and I can tackle those inner demons. It's like an internal dialogue sometimes that you're constantly having to say. Um, Alison, I don't know how we're going to answer this one, actually. We'll try together. Um, How do I, I think, obviously, she needs a a male bit of advice here. How do I talk and broach the subject with my son, who I believe might be suffering with an eating disorder and an exercise relationship? addiction so what would you have liked your mum I know this is really hard it's really hard especially because like I love my mum yeah like, she's she's so open with me yeah in all the, all these elements yeah, yeah, but yeah. something in me I just really struggle with <laughs> Honest- <laughs> with speaking to my mum about and I don't know if it's like just a boy thing or like oh, I've got two boys well. so it's just, uh, I'm just dreading it in the future I'm like please talk to me well, I don't I, I don't know it's what hard. I, the thing is look like my mum my mum couldn't have said anything different to to change the course of what's happened. I because I think if you if you go if I go down that or if someone says that that kind of suggests there could be like a, an element of blame with that, and that's just not. No, it's it not like that. It, no, you can't. A, you know, it was a societal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think how to open that conversation. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I just... If she wanted to talk to you, even if you weren't going to speak to her, how could she? Well, it's hard again because Pick the right moment. would say, and she did, you know, like, oh, you're going to the gym mm. a lot or whatever. I, my my go-to is like, yeah, but I'm I'm really healthy. Maybe it'd be something. I think, I think if I had had more people, like if I like if Zac Efron, for example, had done something on yeah. social media back then, yeah, and been like, look, like I look like this for Baywatch or whatever it was, yeah, but, and then uh, but actually, it. like, I hated it, blah 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 didn't you know i didn't want to mm. didn't want to do that i felt like rubbish then that would have really helped me so maybe it's like trying to find there are examples of, of people speaking about that now like celebrities maybe it's it's trying your best to get those pieces of content mm. watched by them um, that's good maybe like yeah maybe try i mean i don't know how how old how old does it, it is, say like, we just got the if you're sort of it's hard because you don't want to like over control like the the things that you're Mm. Like you need, they need to have like a, a sense of like slight freedom if they're getting to a certain age. But I'd be interested in seeing like the social media accounts that he follows, and yeah, and maybe it's worth. It might be, it might not go well, but maybe have a conversation about like if he is just scrolling and mm. there's fitness influencers, maybe saying, "Well, look, like have a look at what this one said." Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, it's really hard. Because like I'm, I'm a really stubborn person, and definitely then I was in this like point of denial. But I guess it's just about. Yeah, being there as best as you can. Yeah. Um, it's a really tough one. I oh, don't envy that position. Yeah. I don't either. That's a really tough one, Alison. It's, it is difficult. But I think um, that's the pro to social media is that you can now access just as much as we might be worried about it. You can access good information as well. You know, it is about who they're looking at. People like James speaking out about it. I think that's really helpful. Um, I think we'll move on to our fact or fiction round. Go on, then. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one. Eating disorders only affect women. <laughs> I'm, I'm the proof. Yeah. yeah. Fiction. No, fiction yeah. Um, eating disorders are only a way to get attention. <laughs> These are funny, aren't they? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, fiction. Fiction. You can only write music when you're in a tranquil space. I actually think I get the best 
the best music when I'm not, when I'm erratic and I'm all over the place. So, uh, so interesting. So, yeah. Everyone's so different, aren't they, of what they do? Mm. Um, you can Fiction, <laughs> fiction. Um, you need to eat well to perform well. Well, I would say that that's, that that's fact. I mean, I think what you can do is you can try your best to, to cloak um, an unhealthy diet with things like alcohol, which actually are doubly bad for you, especially with your voice. So you can try and mask it. But I'm I, genuinely a strong proponent now of really looking after yourself around. Well, you mentioned with vocal surgery. And exactly. Yes. Yeah, so That's like, terrifying for a musician to go through. that. Yeah, it, it was really rubbish. And I think so for me now, I don't drink any alcohol before I sing um, and right. I don't drink any alcohol on stage, which if you had seen me five years ago, you'd be you'd be baffled. Oh my gosh, the dehydration <laughs> would freak me out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Especially for your chords. I'm yeah. just like, oh yeah. my God. So that one's fact, I, I would say. Yeah, fact. Yeah. Okay. Um, poor relationships with food can start at any age. Yeah, fiction. Uh, sorry, no, fact. Fact, fact. <laughs> yeah, fiction. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, any age at all. Um, recovery can look different for everyone. No one size fits all. Absolutely, fact, yeah. Um, relationships with food for men are on the rise. Relation negative relationships. Yeah. 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 I, I would say I would say uh fact, but um but what is good is I've noticed a lot more men speak about it. Yeah. So I would love to see that come down. But I mean yeah. maybe I also think that maybe that that going up is obviously quite an alarming thing, but it could be the fact that more people are recognizing they have issues. So mm. it's a it's a weird bit of sweet thing. Yeah, and you there's um, so you don't know what the cause or effect is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. is it social media? Is it that you're speaking out yeah. now? People could have lived with this stuff for like thirty years. Exactly. Just realise, oh God, like yeah. this is not normal. Exactly. Yeah. Um reconnecting with nature is essential for your mental health. It is for me, so I'd, I'd say I'd say fact. Yeah. Fact. And finally, eating disorders are genetic. Um, I would say that's that's fiction, right? Because I mean, as far as I'm aware, my parents don't have eating disorders. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't know this, but isn't there something like hereditary with like mental mental health things though? So I don't know whether that. Could, yeah, there's maybe it's a grey area. I'm not sure. That's an excellent fact or fiction round. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's interesting. There are small genetic links, but it doesn't mean that to get an eating disorder, your parents have to have had no, eating no, disorder. No, 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 of course, yeah, yeah. And actually, what's fascinating is some of us just have this component in our brain mm. that can be triggered by any random life event. And then once it's on, it's like a switch, it's on. Wow. And then you will always experience challenges with mental health because it's been flipped on. God. And it's research that they're looking at. So there's so many external things that can trigger that. Mm. And it just goes to show why people that have experienced PTSD or have traumatized um, brains from childhood, mm. of course, or childhood experiences go go forwards. But like you said, societal pressures, external factors, mm. all play a role. Anyway, that does nearly wrap up our episode, but we always finish with a feed for thought. Okay. Um, so I'll start by saying, I think what's been so helpful today and I think for so many people listening is to hear the reality because people like you said they don't know you James mm -hmm. and people think they do and I think what's so important is don't believe everything you see online or take it for gospel you know just because James performs a song about something that might be deeply emotive doesn't mean he's actually seriously depressed that day he probably <laughs> could be having a really blooming good day so don't judge a book by its cover mm. speak out I think what's really hit home is please have conversations open conversations with your friends your family members because that really is the key to any successful recovery for poor mental health mm. what would be your take home message I know sorry um, I, put you on the spot. I think Maybe not like well, it is relevant to, to this conversation, mm. but for me, like you know, I'm 30 now. My friends are 
I still can't believe you're 30 now. Uh, yeah. I, I, sorry, I know, I look 30 now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think guys of, of, of my age and, and older, I think yeah. one thing that I've really benefited from is sometimes we're saying, you know, some of these conversations are difficult, especially when it's like guy to guy. Yeah. Um, so what, what I've realised is really good or has been good for me is trying to bring up or hint at these conversations whilst doing other activities. Mm. So I think a lot of men like me <laughs> if someone come someone came in and sat down and said like tell me how you're feeling i'd be like i mean i'm pretty good at speaking about that but i know my mates would be like God, they're like melt yeah so i think <laughs> and and that can go anywhere from playing a sport like going to i'm rubbish mm. at golf but even going to like a driving range and yeah. you know speaking okay. there or or all the way through which i did a lot in the pandemic is like gaming with head, headsets just speak about loads of stuff and then ask li- little things and so i think what gaming with people you don't know? No, no, no. God, <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm just weird like me. Yeah. I mean, I do play with people I don't know all the time, but no, like I go on with yeah. my mates on my, my headset. Sorry, you sound yeah, like yeah, I know yeah, about yeah. gaming. No. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think that from like a definite. I mean, maybe it's relevant to to women as well, but I think for guys, a big take home would be you don't have to have that like really cold, sober conversation of being like come round next week let's talk about how you feel you yeah know, you could be driving or yes. something and they'd be sat next to you and you could just ask something i think yeah. it it dilutes the severity of that like interaction and confrontation um so i would say activities whilst trying to talk about some of the things we've touched on is is probably the way yeah. in oh my gosh it's a brilliant take home message it's just reminded me that one of the best parenting tips i was given now mm. now i'm a mum of two was if you're going to have a difficult conversation with your kids try and do it in the car Right, okay. So, like, it's almost like, you know... No, 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 they can't, though. They can't slam the door in your face. (laughs) And equally, they are just trapped in the back of... No, no. Apparently, there was a reason that the psychologist said that, and I can't remember. Is it something to do with, like, as the thing goes by, they can focus on what's going on outside? Yeah. yeah, And it's not all because they're not having to look you in the face Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, back here. Yep, so they're not having to look their parent in the face. I should have thought of that earlier. James... But that's the same with, like, with the sport. You know, if you're playing... If you can't see them if you're on a headset, it's great. Yes, exactly. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for coming on Thanks Food for Thought. Amazing. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's it. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you will love what we have coming up in future episodes, I have no doubt. So if you're not already, you just have to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. So this means you get a little notification bell. I wish I'd known about it earlier. There is a lot of misinformation out there and I really hope that we're continuing to bring you the latest research along with our special guests to ensure that you're just getting the best experience possible. So if you are enjoying our episodes and you're learning lots, then please do leave us a review or get in touch this will help enormously and ultimately help us reach more people and make sure we're doing the right thing by you and giving you the right information so if you want to learn more about the best-selling books the clinic perhaps you need to book in to see one of our fantastic clinicians or to find out more about retrition plus you can find everything you need to know on retrition.com and you can follow of course me on retrition on all social media platforms yes i'm even on tiktok now guys so you can head over there and check it out ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.